Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Here yet again in sunny, mountainous, and increasingly hot. Las Vegas, where the deer and the antelope play. Uh, here with my uh, uh, my friend and my co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Jamal? Great to be here, of course. Um, have asked me, so what, listen, man, you've been doing a lot of broadcasts from uh, Las Vegas. Why is that? You got a gambling problem? <laughs> said, no, no, it's not that. Uh, the reason I'm here is because uh, my mother lives here, uh, great Janet Roden, and uh, she, well, she, she'll 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 tell you a little bit about about why I'm here. I want to introduce you to uh, Janet Roden. Good afternoon. How are you? Bill has been coming to Las Vegas to look after me because I took a tumble, which is known as a fall, F A L L, <laughs> on a ship, and broke my right. Wow. Where where were you when you took that's now, now first of all you've traveled around the world a, a couple of times, right? You've cruised, you and my dad cruised around the world. I always tell people twice. Is it twice? Does it what? Is it twice that you guys have been around the world? One whole time. And I'm on my second. Wow. Going back in September? Yes. Wow. Going back to finish. Not finish, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> she she she's ninety years old. She'll uh, ninety years young. She's 90 years young, and you wouldn't think of it. She looks like she's like 67. But anyway, and, and, and also a very avid, uh, an avid sports fan. I mean, she watches ESPN more than, more than me. And before I let you, what's your, what's your, uh, what, of all the sports you are, what's your favorite sport, and who is your favorite sports performer? Oh, you don't want to know that. My favorite sport is football. And my favorite sport person, he just retired. I'm sorry to say. Who? He just retired. Oh, Kobe. I, no, I don't <laughs> mean Kobe. He's a football oh, person. Foot- I said football was my favorite. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Peyton Manning. There you go. Peyton Manning. Yes. Right. My child, I call him. He and his brother. Yeah. My children. Yeah, well, she loves some Peyton Manning. <laughs> and, uh, man, she was. I went there for Peyton Manning's uh, retirement, uh, uh, retirement, and I came back to the door, and she said, "I know you brought me a jersey." <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, I did. So. I, yep, he sure did. Yep. Wow, very, very impressive. Carl Ross, who's also flown in from Chicago, is here, and uh, Carl, I don't know how much airtime we'll give you, but great seeing you, my brother. Uh, hey, so thank thank you very thank you guys very much. But I just wanted to uh, to put my stay in Las Vegas in context, so everybody understands that I don't have a gambling problem. Uh, it's about family. That's that's great to hear. Um, hey, hey, listen. Uh, speaking of hockey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Jamal, you, yeah. you've, you've had very you know you we, you know people say that well you know Roden, Bill Roden on sports. All you guys do is football and. Basketball, baseball, but listen, you've been you, you're introducing thanks thanks to Jamal Murphy. 
we're now we're now introducing hockey into the mix, right? Tell tell us a little bit about what you've been up to, Jamal. Yeah, well, you know, I'm uh I actually went to my first hockey game. Uh when was you it? You forgot that fan? Uh Sunday night. How memorable was that? It, it, it was memorable, you know. And I and I had always heard that that hockey was very exciting. It's better to see in person. You know, everybody who's ever been to a hockey game in person says it's you know, it's probably one of the better sports to see live and in the arena. And so I actually finally made it. I don't know why I had never been to a hockey game. You know, I appreciate the sport. You know, watch it come playoff time in the Olympics. So I do have an appreciation for the sport. But I actually made it to my first game. And, you know, it's in Brooklyn, which helps me. About 10 minutes from from my crib. Got there easily, Barclays Center, and checked out the Islanders in game three. And it was. It was a great time. It was was what everybody said it would be. Um, The crowd was amazing. Uh, you know, it was packed, uh, capacity crowd, loud, raucous. You know, it was very good. I didn't, you know, I only saw a couple of the brothers there, but you know, you know, I, I'm com- I'm com- I'm comfortable in any situation. You know what I mean? And 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 and, and the product is, itself was great. It was a great hockey game. The Islanders won four three in overtime, uh, so I got to cover that, and that was great. Oh, great. So you saw two games. What if the islands are up? No, it's a, they're playing the Panthers in the first round of the NHL playoffs. It's now tied at two. They actually went back. See, that's how good it was. I I went back and saw game four last night, but the Islanders couldn't get it done, and the Panthers tied it. It's now 2-2 two, two heading back to Florida. Are you going to go to Florida to see that? Ah, you know, I'm going to you know, I'm going to pass on that, you know. You know, I'm going to I'm going to keep my hockey yeah, you know, I'm going to keep my hockey uh, fandom in Brooklyn. I think, but 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 I mean, the thing is, but you had a it was a great experience. No, yeah, it was a great experience. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in the arena. I I, I walked around different places, and you know, I, what I did know was so cold in the arena to keep. I guess to keep the ice frozen. I you know, I guess, but uh, you know, I wasn't really prepared. You know, I was. You know, I was. I think I was in short sleeves on. On Sunday, and I was freezing. I had to go get a jacket. That's right. So. Well, that, you know, there is ice there. Right. I didn't, I never, it never occurred to me. <laughs> you wonder why we don't have any black reporters covering the hockey. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, you know, but Pat Pat has been preaching. Uh, producer Pat. Yes. Hello. I'm here. Don, uh, tell us how ecstatic you are. I mean, you know, you, you, you've, you know, you've been carrying the banner for hockey. Uh, and, and I also, playoffs in any sport are just great. So what do you what, what what do you think, Pat? You you've been uh, telling Jamal to, to you know, uh, but but you know what's what's the uh, uh, what's the status and what what are you going to be doing during the playoff? Well, I'm a Devil fan, for you know, and then I wish they were in the playoffs. I mean, they started off hot and then they just got cold and they didn't make the playoffs. But um, yeah, playoffs like you said, playoff hockey's fun. It's exciting. The NBA though, the first round's always a little. Shaky, and then it gets really intense. But hockey seems to be intense in the first round as well. Because I guess every team is just closer. The best team to, like, the eighth team, there's not that big of a gap as there would be in, like, the NBA. Uh, that's a good point. That's actually a good point. I had really thought about that, that maybe there's – the you're right, the distance between the top and bottom is not as great as it is in the NBA. I mean, even, even the Panthers and Islanders, I mean, pretty – I mean, they're playing each other very close – records uh during the regular season but but let me ask you this jamal and 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 pat uh, before pat i ask you about the rangers hockey is a pretty is a pretty physical sport right. 
Jamal, I don't know how much you saw down there, but it's a pretty physical sport. Oh, yeah. No, it's very, it's very physical. I mean, it's probably the, the most physical sport besides football. Um, and, you know, the hits, just like in football, it's the hits that get the crowd going. You know, someone gets body. I mean, the yeah, the biggest cheers come from the, the body checks. And these guys on skates, and they get on right skates. back up. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't skate, but I can't imagine <laughs> skating backwards. That, right. That's got to be tough. Right. And I always say, you know, you know, all the obviously all the players can skate, but I mean, just to be imagine being the you know referee or yeah. an official, a hockey official, you have to be, you know, as good a skater as the players. Right. And watch out for those flying pucks too. Those, those <laughs> right. Right. Officials right there. So there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. But I mean, you know, uh, this is the first year the Islanders are in are in Brooklyn, and you can tell, you know, the, the, at least the Brooklyn fan base is happy. I'm sure a lot of people coming from Long Island. I've heard I've heard different things in the media about whether uh, the Islanders themselves like the arena or not. I've you know I've heard some rumblings that you know they're not so happy with it. But come playoff time, you know, they've, they've been talking a good game. The players have said they were very excited to see what the Brooklyn crowd would be like. Uh, the, co- the coaches, the coach Cap- Capuano said, you know, he, he was looking forward to the crowd. And after game one, uh, he was very impressed. Yeah, no question. It was, uh, it was, you know, once we stepped on the ice as far as the coaching staff and then the players came out and you could tell the fans were intense. And, and again, you, in playoff series like this, you're going to need – your fans to be the sixth man and that's exactly what they were tonight it was loud um lost my voice a little bit just because you know it was so so loud in there just telling the guys who's up on the on the next shift so um fans were great and hopefully it'd be the same way wednesday night yeah. hey, hey, hey um before we end this segment of hockey i mean this is probably the longest i've talked about hockey in 36 years at the new york Times. um but, but 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 i must say though not to dismiss it like that i grew up in chicago Really uh, liking the Blackhawks. I don't know, Jan. Did you when you when you were in Chicago? You did you follow the Blackhawks at all? I just I just know that the Blackhawks is a hockey team. Spoken <laughs> well, of true Chicago, I mean, we yeah, stick, we stick with know. the shell. We stick with the shield. You know, if it's <laughs> if, if it's a Chicago team, we like. But, but but White Sox or the Cubs? I was for the White Sox. White Sox, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. People, somebody talked to me the other day. Where they said, "Oh." Yeah, Bill Roosevelt, Chicago, and the Cubs. I said, man, the Cubs don't even exist to me. I mean, like when I was a kid, the North Side might as well have been North Korea. I mean, right. it may have been Hanoi. People don't understand that. They're, oh, the Cubs, the Cubs, you, you got to be kidding me, man. Right. And then, and then, the side, South side yes, the North Side, South Side issue. And, and also, I mean, it's, it's, that's another show. But I mean, it's, 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 don't even take that for granted. The Cubs are like, that's nice, the, the cute uniforms, but it's the White Sox. And then, you know, Janet was in the Board of Education, and remember with Mayor Daly, if you didn't, if you weren't a White Sox fan, you lost your job, right? I mean, you had to you had to go to the game. Almost. Almost. <laughs> wow. Anyway, but what I was what I was saying though, uh, Pat, getting bringing the conversation back to hockey, um, I've always been curious. I mean, the Rangers are also in the playoffs, and and the Rangers have consistently in the past few years done pretty well. But Pat. The same guy owns the Rangers and the and the um, uh, the Knicks. Why are the Knicks so awful while the Rangers are are, are, are competitive? I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, it could be a couple of things. Maybe it's Dolan's meddling. He's meddles more with the basketball than the hockey. I remember um, what was it a couple of years ago? He said, "Oh, is it 14 when they were in the finals?" I think. 
he said something and the coach was like, just shut up. <laughs> you know? um, right. I mean, maybe it's who we had running the team. Like before, Phil, I mean, we know Phil Jackson's a great coach, but right. how is he as a president? Well, now um, we know that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Glenn Sather, they got to the finals with him as a GM. The Rangers did. Um, and um, maybe the player. I, I mean, a couple years ago when the Knicks were good, they had the leadership. They had Canby coming off the bench and a bunch of senior guys, of veterans, who they wound up cutting. And then it was all mellow and nobody. And they couldn't, they couldn't win when the Rangers had Lundquist and then they had lines that worked together and played well together and they gelled. And I mean, it could just be the, the chemistry and, and, the, and the blend of the veterans and the young players at the right uh, uh, being out there at the right time. It's a great point about the meddling, about Dolan meddling. And, you know, maybe he feels like he knows more about basketball uh, and, he, and he accepts the fact that he doesn't know as much about hockey. And, you know, maybe he should pretend. Well, he, he probably doesn't have to pretend. He, he probably doesn't know anything about basketball either. So he should just accept that and let other people make the decisions. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, so, well, I mean, not that I, I wouldn't talk about hockey more, but what was your predictions uh, uh, for both of you? From what you've seen, Jamal and and uh, Pat, who's gonna you know are, are we gonna have two New York teams advancing? I predicted both the New York teams to lose. Panther Islander game series, I think it appears to be a little tighter. Right. You know, it's tied. The thing with the Penguins though, their goalie is very inconsistent. I mean, I know he was hurt; he had a concussion. I think he played the other day. But anytime you have the two best players on the ice at any given time. With Malkin and Crosby, you got to have an edge, no matter regardless of who the goalie is. Yeah, and then and then the Islanders, you know, having you know, I'm not like like I said, I'm not a huge hockey guy. I don't watch them all season, but just watching the t- the two games I did, and I also watched a couple of the, the you know a little bit of the first two games. I actually feel like uh, it's really Florida's series to lose. Uh, the Islanders, you know, they won a couple games in the series is tied. But they just even the game three that they won. I just felt like they were a little, they were you know much more sloppy. Uh, the defense was wasn't as wasn't as tight or isn't as tight as it needs to be. They you know they commit a lot of turnovers and mistakes on their own end. So I just and I just felt like Florida was the more solid team. Well, we'll see. Thanks, guys. No, okay. So. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong though. Hey, listen. When we come back, we're gonna remember one of the greatest high school basketball players to come out of New York City. We'll be back in uh, just a few minutes. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. I'd like to welcome in a uh, really special Special, uh, special guest, someone who's been doing a, a tremendous job uh, for Cleveland.com covering the mystery <laughs> that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, like to uh, welcome in uh, Chris Hayes, who is a writer, reporter, extraordinaire for Cleveland.com. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, man. It's our, it's our pleasure, man. Anybody who could help us with any understanding of LeBron James and that show is is welcome. Let, let's start with first things first, man. I mean, Chris, these guys, uh, Cleveland, man, looks like like they look like world beaters. The first two games, 
I'm thinking, man, why don't we just put them in the finals? What, what's it? What's it been like on the ground? Though you've been there with these guys. Uh, just t- give me give me your assessment uh, going back from what we've just seen through the season. Yeah, well, you know they they haven't been looking like this all season long. Uh, you know they're, they're definitely ready. I think for most of the season, especially the latter part of the season, they were bored out of their minds. That there there weren't any marquee games left on the schedule. Uh, everybody's talking about the Warriors, the Spurs, and. You know, the Warriors beat the Cavaliers twice, you know, this season. And one of those losses, it was in a dominating fashion, like a 30-point loss in, I believe, in January uh, that ultimately led to David Black being fired. So it's been yeah. an up-and-down period, even though they have been the number one team in the East. There's been things brewing with this team, and I think now they feel like they're at a point where they can rightfully contend for a title. But, you know, we'll see. It's the Detroit Pistons, so – We'll see it when it's all said and done where they stand. You you meant you mentioned uh, you know everybody talking about Golden State, everybody talking about the Spurs. Do you think that that has gotten under LeBron's skin? Yeah, yeah. All the talk about Golden State and the fact that Golden State has handed it handed it to them, uh, you know, twice during the regular season and beating them in the finals. Um, nobody when when the, when the season started or. For, before the season started, I should say, the Cavaliers were the betting favorites to win the title. Nobody expected the Golden State Warriors to take this gigantic step to be in this super team. Nobody expected, expected Stephen Curry to be in a running for most improved player and take his game to another level. And so it's been, yeah, I would say a little bit of jealousy, a little envy towards uh, what Golden State has been you know, doing this season. So that's why I say, um, you know, this team is, you know, board and were board the last month of the season. Like I said, no more marquee games, so there was there was no more games where if they got a win that the talk would shift to them. It was just Eastern Conference opponents, a lot of those opponents were weren't even in the playoff picture. So that's just been the case. So as of right now, I think they're whatever it looks like they're playing up to par and we might get a finals rematch. We'll see. Well what's it like, um I mean, just on a practical level, what's it been like covering LeBron James and covering this team? I mean, there's so many dynamics. Uh, there's a dynamic with uh, with Tyron Lue. Uh, so what's it what's it been like covering LeBron and and uh, Lue? Well, first of all, what's that relationship like? I mean, as you can see it, what's really that relationship like? Is it is it one of mutual respect? Is is Tyron a, a puppet? Well, I guess everybody's a puppet in LeBron. But I mean, you know, what, what's what's that like? No, I get what you're saying. Um, no, they they definitely have a a, a solid relationship. Um, you know, LeBron was LeBron would you know when David Black was at the helm, you know, especially during the course of the game, LeBron would he'll skip past he would skip past David Black and go just talk to Tyron Lue, you know, during the course of the game, and it would it, it would just look awkward, especially for David Black. So he's been he, – Ty Lue is somebody who has the player's ear. He would, he would be the guy who would get on LeBron James and some of the other star players when David Black would. So there definitely is mutual respect, and I think a lot of that is because they respect Tyron Lue because he played the game. Uh, so with that being said, but with LeBron, how would it is like to cover him? You know, I've never, I've never covered a superstar who has been so accessible with his time. Um, he, he really gets the relationship with the media. He, he understands it. 
And uh, I, I, like I said, I've never covered anybody who is, you know, frequently just gives his time uh, to me, especially the ones that, you know, he knows and sees on the regular. So that, that's been a cool dynamic for us. Uh, you mentioned how much, you know, how accessible LeBron James is. Um, you know, he has all this going on. Do you feel like he's he might be taking on, you know, too much on his plate given the fact that, you know, he's he basically, as far as perception goes, he got the coach fired and is now almost acting as a coach slash GM. Do you, do you feel like he's, he might be taking a little too much on? Well, I think he, I think everything that he has and the power and the clout that he has within the organization and the league, I think he wanted it. He knew when he came back to Cleveland and ownership knew that when you brought back LeBron James, especially how things ended, you know, the first, you know, when he left uh, five years ago, uh, the owner's comments, the letter he wrote, he knew he was going to have to give something. There's going to be have, there's going to be some concessions made. Part of that has been, you know, LeBron James has a lot of say within the organization. Uh, you know, with that being said, you know, he wasn't directly correlated or connected with, you know, the fire on David Black because people always ask, to him, well, it was LeBron's call. Well, you know, LeBron James wasn't the only one that didn't have a connection with Black. It was, you know, it was the whole the whole team, you know, the majority of them. And when the when the management understands or sees that there's a disconnect there, see that the team is not responding to the coach, it's kind of easy to make that call. Um, you know, he didn't have to go. I know one thing. So I know one thing. LeBron never gave his opinion on what should happen, you know, with Black. You know, that this, this even goes to last season. Uh, before they went to the finals. You know, LeBron didn't want to be put in that position. Uh, He wanted management to make whatever best decision they felt was, you know, needed at that time. And and that that happened, that was the same way leading up to Black's firing. When management knows that the team is not, uh, you know, listening, not responding, it was easy for them to make that call without them having to go and talk to players individually and see how they felt about Black. So that that was the situation. And as far as the clout, the clout and power that he has, I think he's loving every bit of it. <laughs> as an OG, it's great to be the king. <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> I, 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 you know, another interesting dynamic for me, I've always got this sense from LeBron, you know, from him putting his guys in charge, that he's a brother. And when I say that, I mean, I know that could be another another show but uh, he's never really backed away from being a black man he's never you know played this kind of racially neutral role he's always been a professional obviously um, i'm wondering and you know it's this is a inter, this is a this is a tricky question in that you you know i mean you're you, you know they're they're brothers and they're brothers uh how, how is he in that in that in that way again not giving you necessarily extra favors or extra access i guess the larger question is does it make a difference, even not just the Cavaliers, but just even throughout a league that's largely made up of, of young black men? Do, do you feel that you're at an advantage or you're not like at a disadvantage? With, with him, that is. With, with LeBron? Well, with, with LeBron uh, first and just in general. Yeah, well, I, I, will, I will say this. Uh, he, he is he's a very... Uh, genuine and loyal guy and the guys that were with him from the beginning are still the same guys that he has in the circle now and 
what I will say, you know, as a black man covering this league, the young black man is probably, you know, it's around LeBron's age. I'm 33. Mm. Um, it, it definitely helps me with the fact of, you know, when I'm coming up with story ideas that, you know, I can kind of relate and I understand what he's going through. It's certainly a situation. Obviously, I'm not a multimillionaire. I can't relate to those types of things. <laughs> really? Just about the upbringing. Yeah. And what it was like growing up and, you know, growing up, you know, poor. And, uh, and so when I come with story ideas that everybody doesn't come up with, you know, because like, they can't relate. They've never been there. Mm. And so with LeBron, when I pitch him on story ideas, he'll look at me. He's like, oh, okay. Mm. All right. And, you know, we'll get to do something. So I think from that standpoint, it's definitely helped me and my coverage of him because, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, guys his age that, that he sees on a regular, uh, you know, of color. So right. that, that's definitely been something to my benefit, uh, my advantage. And, and like I said, he, he gets, you know, and it's not, it's not just, you know, me being a brother or, or whatnot. You know, he he's real loyal to those who, who have been around and covered him the majority of his years. And so he, he makes sure he gives time to the people that, you know, he's accustomed to seeing. So he's been great in that regard. I'll get back. I'll get back to the whole Golden State uh, Spurs issue um, and the Cavaliers, you know, not getting any attention. Do you think that they truly believe that they can beat Golden State in the in the finals? Yeah, I, I do. I I do think they understand and know that that's going to be a daunting task. Uh, we, if you got LeBron James on the roster, you're going to have a shot, point blank, and. Right. I think they feel like they can bruise or, or kind of rough the Warriors up because when Kevin Love and Kyrie out, Kyrie Irving were out during the finals last year, they kind of slowed the game up. They mucked it up. They slowed it down. Uh, they they kept the possessions um, low, and that's what you want to do if you want to try to beat that up tempo Golden State Warriors squad. With that being said, man, shoot, that's Steph, and that's a bad boy over there. Yeah, I, I think they know that. <laughs> Right, so right. they they want that challenge. There's no doubt right. about it. They want that challenge, and it's been too long in between games. For the you know, between you know, last time right. they played, and so they're hearing all this national hoopla about what the Warriors are doing, how great the 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 um, record that they you know just the 73 and nine. You know that it's just been killing them. LeBron James right. has never been a secondary superstar <laughs> in this league. He's been the talk of the league, you know, as long as he's as long as he's entered it. So this is new territory. So I think him, he has extra motivation because he wanted to take he wants to take back that throne. And the Cavaliers feel like, hey man, we we were we weren't whole last year, so we want to try to you know make amends. Right. No, it's it's actually amazing when you think about it because obviously the Golden State. They just broke the record, 73 wins, but they're still a young team, so they could be creating their own dynasty. And I'm wondering, can you imagine LeBron James never winning another title? Yeah. And could and he imagine that? Uh, that could potentially be reality. And if that ends up occurring, me personally, I think that would be a negative stain on his career because – Obviously, he only won the two titles in Miami when he teamed up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Right. The ultimate storybook ending would be 
And they were, they were in the process of that. First of all, coming back to Cleveland, getting everybody back on their side and on their good graces within the city. That happened. They came back to Cleveland. The letter helped smooth that transition out. Now it was about, okay, bringing a the title. They got Kevin Love. Kyrie Irving's on board. They added some, a couple other pieces throughout the course of the season and a half. This is a championship team. The problem is the Golden State Warriors, the San Antonio Spurs are a championship team too. Nobody expected those two teams to blow up like <laughs> right, that. Right. So this is kind of this is going to be the ultimate challenge, and this going to be the biggest challenge of LeBron James' career because the Golden State Warriors have a golden opportunity to ruin the back end of LeBron James' legacy. Mm. Well, that's 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 well put. So now you know. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, you've you, you've watched a lot of basketball. Obviously, you've watched a lot of Cavaliers, but you've watched a lot of you've watched a lot of NBA basketball. What do you think? I mean, a is there any any is there any scenario in which Cleveland may not even get out of the East? I mean, I, clearly that would be a tremendous upset. But is there any scenario where they may not get it out of the East? And realistically, what do you think about a head-to-head match with Golden State if they get that far? Well, I think the only team that has a shot at knocking off the Cavs in the conference is the Miami Heat. They seem to have had Cleveland's number. Le- LeBron James doesn't play that well in Miami. Uh, there's still that emotional factor, the, the whole bond he has with Wayne Blade. And, and there are there's something going on there. And Miami is playing great ball right now, especially with the addition of Joe Johnson. And then there's also that wild card factor of does Chris Bosch come back in the postseason? I think that's going to – personally, I'm rooting for that series myself. I definitely like to have some Miami time in April, May. <laughs> right. and, and it's a great Here we story. go. Yeah, you know what? Story. You know that? Yeah, know that's, what hey, hey, Chris, see, that's – that's reporting one on one for all the young brothers who want to get into the business. At the end of the day, it's all about self interest, right? That's it. It's about me. <laughs> That's it. It's about me. Then, then I cover the game. But no, I'm glad you go to the NBA Finals and ask me the second part of your question. Uh, I don't see. I don't see how they can be bored as they're constructed right now. Wow. Wow. What? Well, what about? Let me ask you a question. On the other hand, is there any scenario that could see Golden State not getting past uh, San Antonio, which, by the way, I am kind of wouldn't mind seeing that? Yeah, that's very possible. I think, uh, I think if you look at the top three teams in the league for the most for most of the season, I think it was the Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs, and then I think there is a pretty decent gap between the second team and the third team. That third team is the Cavaliers. So I think no matter which which, which one of those two bad boys that they face, it's going to be a daunting challenge. And I would, me personally, I would lean towards the, one of those two teams on the left coast. But like I said before, if you got LeBron James and the way I've seen this guy step it up, you know, to crazy levels in the postseason, you got him. You you always have a shot. But my money would, you know, if I was a betting man, my money would be on those two left teams. Well, I'm in Las Vegas, so I'm taking all bets. <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, before we let you go, and Jamal, you may have one more. Let me ask you this. This is completely 
you're doing a, you're, you're you're in a contest, right? I summon you. You got a contest. I'm, I want you to pick five players, five players, and we're going to go into battle. We're going to go throughout the United States. We're going to go throughout the world, which is five guys. We're going we're gonna to play king of the hill. We're going to play everybody, every place, China and Africa and the Bronx and everywhere. And, but I'm going to give you five guys to take with you, five guys to take with you. What five guys through thick and thin would be on your team? Uh, current guys right now? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep it there. We want right. yeah. Current, okay. Steph will be my point guard. Okay. Uh, I will probably have Westbrook playing my two, and I might have Westbrook playing my one. Who Steph the two? I have Durant at my three, LeBron at my four, <laughs> and maybe. Anthony Davis at my five. I like that. Uh, I think I'd be pretty good if I get those five together. Yeah, you'll be straight. That, that's a pretty formidable team. Hey, hey, well, listen, man. I, I, I uh, our guest has been Chris Haynes, a really tremendous reporter for Cleveland.com, covers the Cleveland Cavaliers like a blanket. Chris, man, really enjoyed uh, the insight, uh, enjoyed the time. Got to get you back. So you can answer for these predictions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, want, I want you to come back when, when the when the dust is settled. No, no, no doubt, Ms. Well, and thanks for having me, man. I've always been a big fan of you, man, for, for years. So it was an honor for me to come on. Oh, hey, man, the pleasure is definitely mine. We got to get, you know, I think, just before I let you go, man, we got to get more Chris Haynes in this business. You know, I mean, that's another show, right? But but we definitely have to get more more young brothers and sisters like you. Uh, doing this because it's a great gig, and I just love to have more people doing it, more, you know, more young black men and women doing it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Now, and we always have people like yourself to look up to to to, to give us an opportunity. So, you know, you have a big part in you know the, the people that we do have in place. So, I thank you for that. Oh yeah, my my pleasure, man. Hey, Chris, <laughs> thanks so much, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Should be tremendous. No, thank you. Y'all yeah, take care. Thanks a lot, Chris. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. We're back with Bill Roden on Sports. I'm Bill Roden, and co-host, great Jamal Murphy. Uh, we lost... Just a couple of days ago, one of the great, great, great high school basketball players to ever come out of New York, the great Pearl Washington, passed away after a very long and and bridge, uh, courageous fight with cancer. Pearl died at the age of 52 uh, Wednesday morning. And, Jamal, I know, I know that you live in Brooklyn, you grew up in Brooklyn, what what did you think about uh, Pearl? Did you ever see Pearl play, and what, what you know? What what did you uh, what memories do you have of? Well, I didn't see him in high school. Uh, I remember him from Syracuse. That's that's basically when I started becoming a fan of basketball and college basketball, and, and probably started playing for the first time. Um, so I remember Pearl Washington, and I kind of group him in that you know in that Big East uh, resurgence or sur- you know surge. With with Pearl Washington, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, you know I remember 
pro Washington just being, you know, the prototypical New York City point guard, or or as they say now, point god. He's the he was the point god on a team. Just very slick, strong minded, uh, clever with the ball. Not a obviously not a great outside shooter, and that's that's what basically New York guards are known for. But just got it done. You know, great passer, great leader, and did it with a flash. So I remember that, and you know, I have to say he's partly responsible for me becoming, you know, such a basket such a big basketball fan. He's probably one of the first guys I saw. I caught up with Jim Beheim, who once told me that Pearl Washington was the most important recruit he had ever brought to Syracuse. And Jim is normally pretty stoic and straight ahead, but he said that that Washington was like a son to him. And this is what he said about Pro Washington. Yeah, even when it's even when you know it's coming, it's just such a shock. And oh, it's been a hard day. I've been in a thousand calls. You know, Pearl people love Pearl. Um, yeah. Everybody. You know, I mean, he he's such a he's such a humble guy. And I don't know if every, everybody saw him play he's so flamboyant, but I don't think people realized what a humble guy he was. And I don't think people realized how much uh, people loved him up there. I mean, he just—he's just this uh, unique, a unique guy. I mean, obviously he brought so much to the program, and I talked to Derek Coleman and C.B. Thompson. You know, that's why they came here, Pro Washington. Mm, wow. The uh, and you know the beginning of the Big East, the Carrier Dome. You know, we just opened it. We're getting 18000 It goes to 25000 when Pearl comes here. Because, you know, he was exciting. I mean, I've never, nobody, he never thought or I never thought he was the best guard, but he was the most exciting guard I've ever seen. And, uh, and, and a pretty great player as well. But he just, he was such a humble guy and, you know, people don't realize he left early, came back, he got his degree, he came <laughs> back again and started working on his master's. <laughs> you know, he he just he's just a unique guy. I mean, we're I was very lucky to have a guy like Pearl. He made our program, he made uh helped make the Big East conference and helped make uh Jim Beheim as far as that goes. <laughs> But you know, it's Billy. You know, we say it, we say it, we mean it. That this is a family when you come here. You know, it's not like I've been coaching here six years or eight years, and I don't know what's going. On. I mean, we, I've been here forty years. So to me, these are my family guys. And as a father, you don't want to see your sons go before you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. It's, uh, you, you know, you you don't want that to happen. And to me, uh, it's that's what it's like. It's just like losing a member of your family, a son, and uh, it's, it's just it's just hard to do. I I, I mean, I, I've cried on and off all day today, and I just can't I can't stop it. I just you know I just uh, it's just I, I can't even. I, I'm a little. I've never done this, so I'm a little shocked. But it is just like losing your your son. He's that. He, he he means that much to me and to all Syracuse people. And uh, it's. Uh, I, I 
just can't I can't prescribe it any other way. I'm sure somebody will think it's I'm being melodramatic, but I, I don't I hope I'm not. So with that I'd like to you know offer all my condolences to uh, Pearl's family, son's daughter, his mom, his sister, brothers, and to to you know, his close friends. But he had a tremendous, tremendous impact on a lot of people, both uh, in Brooklyn, who was just so very proud of him, uh, also at Syracuse, obviously, the Syracuse family. And although he only played three seasons in the NBA, there are a lot of people, his, his teammate, you know, his teammate, Pearl's teammate, Elmer Anderson, told me that even though Pearl just played three, three years in the NBA, that's three years more than almost like anybody who, you know, who grew up in Brooklyn and he was a star and he was a hero and he never right. really left the community. So I'd like to just, on the, you know, for, on behalf of the show and I, I covered him when he was in high school and at Syracuse and for all of his flash, people just amazed at how humble Pearl was. He was humble, he was soft-spoken, he was a very selfless person. He got his degree, he came back and got his degree from Syracuse and I actually came back to work on his master's as well. So he will be sorely missed, but I'm glad I got a chance to, to know him and I got a chance to cover him. And uh, next week, we'll be back with more. Bill Roden on sports. Again, I'd like to thank you, Jamal. I'd like to thank my mother, uh, Janet Roden, for coming into the studio and, and waiting, while I got our, our, waiting while we got our sound stuff hooked up. And Carl making a, Carl Ross making a cameo appearance. See, I included that so he, Carl could tell all his friends to download and subscribe to our show. That's very important. Shameless, right? Hey, hey. And you know, we also we also lost Prince today. Did you hear that? Goodness, couldn't believe it. Yeah, right. we lost Prince today, which is just pretty pretty amazing. You know, fifty-seven, fifty-seven years old. Wow. But you know, I, I guess as he lived. He put a lot of years, a lot of stuff in that 57 years. I mean, I guess, you know, we all want to live as long as we can forever. But like Dr. King said, that it's, it's really about how you live your life and how much you put into your life. What do you accomplish while you're in your life? I mean, Dr. King was, what, he wasn't even 40 years old. Right. Yeah, he was 39 years old when he died. Okay. Malcolm hadn't, wasn't out of his 30s, I think, when he, when he died. So I think it's, what he say? Longevity has its place, but it's really what you do in your life. And Prince made a, a major footprint in life, as did Pearl Washington. Right, two two geniuses in their crafts. So, and and speaking of geniuses in their craft, Jamal, thanks again. <laughs> and <laughs> and Pat, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and we will see everybody next week on another edition of Bill Roden on Sports. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.